the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. everybody it's another al gatulo craft beer cast on am 970 the answer new york city beer week is kicked off it'll uh continue into uh the following weekend and i hope you get a chance if you are in the new york city area i hope you get a chance to check out many of the great places that offer beer um and spirits and all kinds of other stuff all around new york city you will not be disappointed there are plenty of places uh, a couple in manhattan uh, plenty in the outer boroughs in Brooklyn and Queens and Staten Island and the Bronx uh, that you need to check out and support because it's very important. Great day at um, New York City Brooded Industry City. We'll recap the whole week, uh, the whole weekend next week uh, on the program. But uh, just kudos to everybody um, at the event. Always do a fantastic job. Second year in a row, it's been an industry city. And it uh, was another phenomenal day. Uh, a little Thomas Dolby there to start us off. This is um, Astronauts and Heretics, which came out in 1992. It was the fourth studio album by Thomas Dolby. Many of you know Thomas Dolby, the She Blinded Me With Science. That's his biggest hit. This particular album, though, uh, it was his last studio album until 2011. So there's a long gap in between albums, right? 20 years, almost 20 years. Um, but on top of that, that song, Eastern Block, which is a sequel to a song that he did called Europa and the Pirate Twins, uh, the guitar on that is none other than Eddie Van Halen, and I don't think people know that. Apparently, Eddie um, helped him with studio equipment, uh, helped Thomas Dolby with studio equipment. He agreed to play guitar on two songs on the album, Eastern Block being one of them, which I just played, and Close But No Cigar, which apparently included a Van Halen-style solo on the former. Now, I remember getting this album. Um, I was reminded of a place that I worked at called Radio Free New York, Back in the early 90s. And um, uh, Jimmy Buff, Kurt Chaplin, Ken Franklin created this, this I don't want to say monster. It was just amazing. We played so many great, great people. And what was awesome was that we would just pop stuff on. If we liked it, we played it. Pretty simple. Thomas Dolby being one of them. When that album came out, we played the, the daylights out of that. Silk Pajamas was the big one that we played the most of. But we played Eastern Block. We played a whole bunch of stuff off of there. So uh, good stuff. But... 
you know, I digress. Coming up in 20 minutes, Anthony Dana, he's the head brewer at Fiden's Brewing in Albany, New York. They were at New York City Beer Week. Uh, he'll join me to talk about this fantastic brewery. Been open for almost five years now. They're cranking out some delicious brews. If you've had Fiden's, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we'll talk to Anthony coming up in a little bit. But we've got a lot of beer news to get to, so let's dive right into it. Um, Cigar City announcing uh, when Hunapu's Imperial Stout will be released, which, of course, comes out once a year to celebrate their anniversary and um, and release it only at the brewery. Now, listen to this. This year's brew and its variants will be available in 500-milliliter bottles on March the 9th, starting at 9 a.m. only at the Spruce Street Taproom. Only there. That's the only place you can get it. There are no, um, there are no pre-sales this year. You've got to go to the brewery to get it. 500 milliliter bottles of 2024 Hunapu's Imperial Stout, uh, the double barrel, and Huna wine. Uh, again, March the 9th, starting at 9 a.m., only in the tap room. All bottles, first come, first serve, no pre sales, as I said, no limits or bundles required on any Hunapu 2024 bottle sales. You can get as much as you want, but you have to go to the brewery. Um, the Imperial Stout is going to be brewed with cinnamon, vanilla, cacao nibs, and uh, chili peppers. The double barrel is uh, an apple brandy and vanilla brandy imperial stout. That sounds good. Brewed with cinnamon, vanilla, cacao nibs, chili peppers, and then aged in apple brandy and vanilla brandy barrels. And then the Huna wine is an apple brandy and grape brandy barley wine brewed with cinnamon, vanilla, cacao nibs, and chili chili peppers, then aged in apple brandy and grape brandy barrels. They'll have a brunch menu available from 9 to 1 and Hunapu-inspired menu items in the tap room. They'll have the Cigar City pop-up bar in the parking lot offering specialty apple brandy cocktails made with Cigar City spirits as well as other specialty draft beers. And their annual nonprofit partner, the Humane Society of Tampa Bay, will be on site with adorable adoptables. That is really cool. So kudos to Cigar City. Again, that's March 9th starting at 9 a.m. only in the tap room for the Hunapu, the three versions of their Imperial Stout. Now, Governor Hochul wants to make cocktails to go permanent in New York. Uh, New York restaurant owners, of course, are saying cheers to that. That's a great deal. Uh, cocktails to go have um, have offered them a critical lifeline since the COVID pandemic, uh, but the law allowing folks to buy adult beverages to go, along with food during the pandemic era, is set to expire, expire in April of next year. Uh, the governor wants lawmakers to make the temporary measure permanent, saying it's been a boon to the struggling hospitality industry and a beloved treat for customers. She says cocktails to go are in her upcoming uh, budget. So uh, I have a feeling this is going to pass. I think it's smart. It gives them a lifeline, uh, which is certainly what they need, because obviously we're seeing more and more restaurants and bars close daily. Uh, we're seeing all sorts of restrictions, and uh, that's not a good thing. This is actually a big help. I have the sense, though, that it'll be, you know, two cocktails to go or three cocktails to go. Like, it's not going to be you can buy unlimited cocktails to go. You're purchasing food. You can get a cocktail to go with your order. That sounds to me like what they're going to do. But we will see. As the bill develops, we'll get that information to you. Samuel Adams is turning 40 this year. Can you believe it? Born and brewed in Boston since 1984. This year is Samuel Adams' 40th anniversary. They've been a pioneer in the craft beer revolution. Um, their roots running deep in the rich tapestry of American brewing. Listen, if you dr- if you drank any sort of craft beer, you probably started off with a Samuel Adams. I mean, I, I guaranteed you started off with a Samuel Adams. Maybe a Yingling, but Yingling is not really considered craft beer. Um, Samuel Adams is, and to mark this significant milestone, um, 
they are doing a whole bunch of uh, anniversary events. I was invited to this event. I believe it is a private event. Um, I'm not exactly sure if it's public. I don't think so. But on Friday, March 1st, from 1 to 2, 2.30 p.m., uh, they're doing a thing at the uh, the Boston Tap Room, uh, 60 State Street in Boston. Um, Jim Cook is going to be there leading an interactive tasting of historic fan favorites, new innovations in the beer that started at all Boston Lager. Again, I don't believe it is open to the general public. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Um, I was invited to the event. I can't make it um, just simply because I have too much going on. Uh, right now, I would have loved to have been there, but uh, Samuel Adams is sending me some stuff uh, that they're celebrating around the anniversary, and I'm sure they're going to have all kinds of anniversary celebrations throughout the year. Forty years is pretty impressive when you think about it, and you, when you think in terms of Samuel Adams being the top of the the independent craft beer food chain, right? They're still so tiny when it comes to AB InBev and Miller Coors and things of that nature. That's the interesting thing you put in perspective. Um, Flying Fish Brewing in New Jersey sold at auction. Uh, They had filed a Chapter 11 bankruptcy in late December. They had put the assets up uh, for auction uh, about a week week or so ago. And Guilford Hall Brewery, based in Baltimore, has purchased uh, the Flying Fish name and and some things. However, they did not purchased the building, the Somerdale location. Apparently, according to Jared Fisher, uh, their general manager, the facility wasn't a part of the purchase, unfortunately. And as this happened quite fast, we're figuring out options for future stages of operation. Uh, Stefan uh, Papasiu, who owns the uh, uh, Guilford Hall Brewery, uh, purchasing Flying Fish's name, brand, and rights to the brewery's wholesale distribution contracts for $152,500. The brewery does plan to continue distributing their beer, Overall, about 55 people and entities submitted winning bids for various flying fish assets, yielding a net total of $597,925. Many of the other buyers submitted winning bids of individual pieces of equipment, generally for less than $500 each. Um, Guilford Hall Brewery received the following intellectual property from Flying Fish. The Flying Fish name and brands, including Hazy Bones, Salt and Sea, Hop Fish, Blueberry Braggot, uh, Mango Smoothie, Block Party, and Citra Pale Ale. The recipes and trademarks. The brand packaging and labels, Flying Fish's web address, and the rights and obligations under relevant wholesale distributor contracts. So uh, Flying Fish will continue on, I guess, in New Jersey. I guess these guys are going to be bringing the beer in because they're not going to be brewing it here in New Jersey. They're going to be brewing it in Baltimore and then shipping it up, which is interesting because Duclaw ended up going to River Horse, and they're making their beer at River Horse in Jersey to ship to the distributor. Sort of a reversal here of uh, Baltimore breweries. Kind of interesting. Um, but yes, the building itself in Somerdale, uh, was not a part of the purchase. I don't know if Gene ever owned that building or if he was renting it. So maybe that's part of it. Or maybe whomever owned, who owned the building when they acquired Flying Fish's debt, uh, did not put that up for auction that their the real estate is probably more expensive than the brewery itself. That sounds to me like what it is. Um, we shall see. But uh, Flying Fish has been sold. They are officially closed now. Can't go there anymore. And it's sad. An OG, um, you know, gone now and being brewed uh, out of Baltimore. When we come back after a short break, more news and notes from around the beer world, including uh, legislatures down south who want to stop the sale of cold beer. Yeah, that's right. But there's a little more to it than that. Details next on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. What's going on? little cure? People always mess with my levels in this studio. I don't know what it is. I come in, uh, it, it's, you try to record a show, and somebody's always mucking with the headphones in here or whatever. I, I, I'm, you know, as, as you all know, folks, I do record this show during the week. And there are some days I come in here, and the studio is a disaster because... Somebody has messed with the levels. TVs are in the are on the wrong channels. Things are on that they shouldn't be on. I mean, it's just oh, whatever. I could complain, but well, I just did, didn't I? All right, let's leave it at that. Coming up in ten minutes, Anthony Dana, he's the head brewer at Fiden's Brewing in Albany, New York, is going to join me to talk about this fantastic brewery. It's been open for almost five years now, uh, cranking out some delicious brews. It's a great story, and Anthony's story is a great story. It's the story of the American dream. It, it really is. It's a. It's coming up just under 10 minutes from now. You definitely want to check it out. All right. So in Tennessee, apparently, there are lawmakers that wanted to uh, uh, introduce a bill, Bill HB 2845-SB 2636, uh, in the Tennessee Senate, the uh, Tennessee Prevention of Drunk Driving Act. And they wanted to stop people in Tennessee from selling cold beer in an attempt to discourage consumers from drunken driving. Yes, that's what they wanted to do. Now, the bill was introduced back on January 31st by Representative Ron Gant and Senator Paul Rose, but um, you know, a couple days after they announced it, uh, Gant said the cold beer provision would not be included in an updated version of the legislation. In a statement, he said, the final version of the bill is still being drafted, but the new version will not include any language that prevents the sale of cold beer in Tennessee. This was one of several ideas being discussed by stakeholders across our state. However, I do not want to infringe on law-abiding citizens or be unfair to business. To be fair, I would think that this law would be struck down immediately if passed because of that. Now, um, Gantt said he was unsure how the legislation would move through the General Assembly. Um, Again, it's going to go through a lot of iterations before it gets anywhere. Um, the reason why they want this bill being passed is the fact that there's a lot of drunk driving going on in Tennessee. People are not responsible uh, for their drinking. He also wants to um, limit the amount of drinks that are served at a bar or restaurant. And if they don't have a designated driver to take them home, um, that in some ways they would, uh, the law enforcement would investigate and others would be responsible. I, again, it's a complicated thing, but the, the big thing was the fact that initially this bill was not going to sell cold beer. You could only get it warm. Now, Sharon Cheek, the executive director of the Tennessee Craft Brewers Guild, said this would significantly hinder local craft breweries' ability to sell and distribute their products in optimal uh, conditions. She said, to, she said in the statement to the Tennessean, without refrigeration, breweries would face substantial economic challenges and potential job losses. Many of our breweries are known for their unpasteurized beer and use of fresh, locally sourced ingredients. Uh, I mean, again, there's going to be a lot of iterations on this before it really gets to a vote, maybe get out of committee in Tennessee. We'll keep you updated on it. But the cold beer thing, not going to happen. That uh, You're going to only be able to sell warm beer. That's not going to happen. It's not going to be in the legislation. All right. Um, a new meadery is coming to New Jersey. Uh, the Great Melovino Meadery uh, by Sergio Mutella closed last summer. And I'll be honest, he is the gold standard for me. 
Uh, his mead is, to me, the top of the game. Everybody else is sort of inferior. But let's see what happens here. New Jersey Elixir uh, received a bur- uh, received Borough Planning Board approval. This is in Somerville. Uh, to open a meadery in the space on East Main Street between Bridge and Warren Streets that was formerly occupied by an Indian restaurant. Caleb Ailes, a co-founder of New Jersey Elixir, says the mead will be made in a variety of flavors and strengths. It'll be the third craft mead producer in New Jersey. Joining Beach Bee Meadery in Long Branch and Armageddon Brewing in Somerdale, uh, the meadery will be open noon to midnight. A tasting room will be available. People can bring in food from restaurants to enjoy while sampling the mead. Uh, the planning board vote to approve the meadery was unanimous. Mayor Brian Gallagher said, thank you for investing in our community. He also sits on the planning board. It is a very unique thing that you're doing. He said it, uh, The mayor said that the meadery would be complimentary to the restaurants and breweries uh, on Somerville's Main Street, which is great. So uh, uh, we don't know when they're going to open, but we will keep you updated on that. But it's always nice to see some mead in New Jersey. And when they open, I would certainly love to go down there and definitely check it out. Our friends at Weyerbacher having a Blues, Brews, and Barbecue Festival Sunday, March 3rd. Special hours, noon to 8, music begins at 12.30. Four different blues bands will be playing, along with food from uh, Lehigh Valley Barbecue and Queen V Raps. It's a $10 cover that's collected at the door, cash or card, 905 Line Street in Easton, Pennsylvania. I have to get back out to Weyerbacher. Now that there's new owners involved, uh, I'd love to see if the beer has changed at all, if it's still the same. Uh, definitely need to make a trip out to Weyerbacher. It's not that far from me either. Staying in the state of Pennsylvania, in honor of the 195 years of brewing great beers milestone, Yingling and Son bringing back a late winter spring favorite, Yingling Bach. The limited release will be available to legal drinking age customers in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, and New York. Yingling Bach will be available in 12 packs of 12-ounce cans and on draft in quarter barrels in select markets. Uh, starting this month, uh, until supplies last. Yingling Bach is a deep brown color, flavorful malt-forward taste, while balanced with European noble hops. Uh, the label and package design on the Yingling Bach labels uh, go- have inspiration from the early 1940s. It was previously relaunched in 2008 as a draft-only seasonal offering. First time a Bach beer was produced by Yingling in nearly <clears throat> 40 years. It returned the following year in draft and packaged in 2009 in conjunction with Yingling's 180th anniversary, and now it is back again for the 195th anniversary. That is cool stuff. Stone Enjoy By April 20th, 24 is out now. It's a Dank Hazy IPA that is available in 20-ounce bottles, uh, can or 12-ounce bottles, 12-ounce bottles, cans, or on draft. So good stuff from there. Uh, and then a couple of quick things here. Von Ebert Brewing. Released its 2024 uh, beer release calendar. Uh, while its core five uh, will be available all year, at least 30 more unique beers will be offered seasonally. Uh, they are since they bought the uh, North Cook Street uh, a facility from uh, Ecliptic Brewing in Portland. Von Ebert is going to expand production and distribution from 4,000 barrels per year to as much as 20,000 barrels per year. They'll begin selling the award-winning pills in 12-ounce cans as well. Sam Pecoraro, who we just had. As a guest on the program a couple weeks ago, he says, Avon Eber Brewing, we're expanding our production and distribution so we can sell more of our award-winning beer. For this year, I'm excited to continue brewing what we do best through a strong series of rotating American IPAs, Italian Pilsners, and seasonal lagers in addition to pills. Look for more 12-ounce packaging in the very near future. The North Cook Street Tap Room uh, should be open this spring and will continue to grow their distro. Uh, finally, Alaska Airlines 
now serving its first-ever custom craft beer, exclusively brewed for the carrier by Seattle-based Fremont Brewing. Uh, The newest IPA will be offered complimentary and first in premium class for purchase in the main cabin and served in select lounges. It's called Crowd Cruiser, excuse me, Cloud Cruiser IPA. Uh, It is, let's see, they didn't give the ABV on it. Uh, Matt Lincecum says uh, it is... uh, it is uh, brewed with a select blend of malts and Washington-grown hops to stay fresh in the air with you. The label uh, has a unique design showcasing an Alaskan Airlines 737-8 Max soaring above the clouds, above a retro-inspired backdrop of snow-capped mountains, trees, and water, synonymous with Washington State. I'm hoping to get somebody on from Fremont Brewing to talk about this beer with Alaska Airlines. I do like that airline. I've flown it before. It's fantastic. When we come back after a short break, Anthony Dana, the head brewer at Fiden's Brewing in Albany, New York, will join me on the program. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, a little new Gary Clark Jr. from his JPEG Raw sampler, which uh, I guess a full album is coming out. I'm, I'm not sure. There's four tracks on this one. Uh, Mac Tub, this is the uh, the new one from Gary Clark Jr. He is touring this summer. I, I will get a chance to see him down in Philly uh, in June. I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. It's been quite some time since I've seen Gary Clark Jr., uh, in concert, and he is always a phenomenal show. I mean, he is a blues guy, but he mixes some other things into his show, man. You never know what he's going to play, so it's good stuff. Um, my next guest on the program, he is the head brewer at a brewery up in Albany that's been around for a couple of years. Uh, and from Jump Street, they have been crushing it with some fantastic suds. It all started as most brewery ideas start in a garage, brewing beer, and wanting to make the jump from home brewer to professional uh, brewery. Fightensbrewing.com is the website for more information. Let me welcome to the Craft Beer Cast for the first time, Anthony Dana. Anthony, thanks so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good, Al. Thank you for having us on today. Oh, you got it. Now, as you've told me uh, in an email, the brewery started with Steve in his garage and more from there. Uh, I want to know how you come into the picture here. From what my friend and frequent listener of the show, as I always end off the show with the great Buddy Watson, tells me uh, when he picked up beer for me back in December... He tells me you were a teacher on Staten Island for a brief time, correct? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, teaching down in Staten Island for a few years. Uh, my wife's job moved us uh, up to the Albany area. Okay. Um, so I uh, I got a teaching job in Schenectady. All right. And uh, I taught there for a few years um, and uh, until Fiden's opened up. So now, were you always a home brewer? Um, I was I was an avid uh, craft beer drinker. I grew up in Vermont. Right. Uh, early, you know, c- coming of age in the early two thousands, kind of hitting stride in that craft beer scene, and um, kind of fell in love with the whole industry. Mm-hmm. And um, when Fiden's first opened, um, I, w- I was just a customer for you know first couple times around, and they they had put out a post that they were looking for some help, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is. This is exactly what I want to do. Um, so I jumped on board, and uh, at the time, uh, there was just a few few owners, uh, Steve, Tim, um, 
and we they, they had been home brewing for a long time right uh, in Steve's garage and uh, I, I started kind of just filling well I was working in the tap room mm-hmm. but we were only open for a very short number of weeks couple of months um, and then COVID happened right so we kind of had to pivot and um, we started doing everything in crowler cans to go mm-hmm. so I would come in uh, I would come in in, in the mornings that at like 4 a.m. before school, fill a bunch of crowlers, go to work, teach all day, come back, fill more crowlers. And um, at, at some point, Steve was like, hey, let's, uh, let's get you in the back. We'll teach you how to, how to do some stuff in the back. Started cleaning tanks. Uh, Steve was generous enough to give me all of his home brewing equipment. So at that time, I started brewing some batches of beer at home. Um, brought a couple in for Steve to try out, and he said, I think we can do something with this. So uh, made the jump there from the tap room into the production. Right. Um, eventually um, becoming the head brewer so Steve can kind of step away from the day-to-day stuff and, and focus on big-picture business ideas. And, uh, yeah. See, this is what I love about this story. It's It's really the quintessential American dream. You start out doing one thing. You're a fan of, of a particular thing, and maybe you haven't really dabbled in it too much. And then you get hands-on training and experience in a time when, let's face it, when the pandemic hit, businesses were shutting down. Things had to shift on the fly. A lot of brewers were able to adapt to it. Some were, and some did not and ended up closing. And you stuck it, stuck it out all the way through to learn about this stuff to the point where they're giving you the responsibility of being the head guy and managing uh, the beers that you guys produce. That is honestly the quintessential American story, and I love it. Now, the name Fidens, where did that come from, and what does it mean? Yeah, that actually came up uh, Steve's wife, Raquel. Um, she found that uh, it's a Latin word uh, that just means kind of bold and courageous. And as they were trying to come up with ideas and, and putting the the kind of the final touches on building out the brewery, they were still looking for a name and, and she came came to everybody with that and uh it just seemed very fitting. You know, everybody at the time was still working full time jobs. We all worked our full time jobs for the first year or so. Um so to take that leap from home brewing and and to start a business at a time when everybody was kind of telling us this is not gonna work. This right. Is, you know, people aren't lining up for the hazy beers anymore. Um, it, you know, it took it took a little bit of grit, a little bit of courage, and uh, the name stuck. Well, you certainly proved that wrong for sure, that people weren't looking for the hazies. We're talking with head brewer Anthony Dana. He's from Fidens Brewing in Albany, New York. Fidensbrewing.com, that's F-I-D-E-N-S, brewing.com is the website for all the info as we're here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And, and jumping off on that, from your perspective... What has been the main reason for the great success that Fiden has had in the early going? Is it dialing in on the flavor profiles of the beers, knowing what your drinking audience wants, or is it something else? I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but we we always have strived to kind of create a unique flavor profile for our beers. We didn't want people to drink our beers and say, like, oh, this tastes like this brewery, or this tastes like this brewery. Mm-hmm. We wanted people to drink our beers and say, that's a Fiden's beer. Um, and we, we strive, we have a, we have a really, really good group of people that, that work for us. Um, 
just meticulous on the details and making sure everything that goes into uh, our beers is as perfect as we can get it. Um, we don't skimp on on ingredients. Um, we don't skimp on hops. You know, we, we are putting a lot of hops into all these beers. Right. Um, and it makes a difference. Uh, you know, the, the quality of the product is definitely reflective of that but you know anthony you brought up an interesting point you don't you don't want you didn't want your beers to taste like somebody else's beers you know and i'll, I'll just throw a couple of things like a treehouse or a trillium or say a carton beer or a cane beer in new jersey so how difficult is that when you're coming up with a recipe of a beer that you've probably tasted or maybe a food that you've probably tasted and you say all right i want to try and duplicate what this this flavor that i'm getting here into into a beer how difficult is that when you've when you've you've probably drank a lot of beers from a lot of different breweries to come yeah. up with something that is similar but is not the same? You know, Steve went on a really long journey in kind of creating uh, the recipes that we have today, um, and uh, of course there were breweries and beers that were very influential in uh, our growth. Um, Part of that was he never looked for the shortcut. He never asked for the answers from people. He kind of figured it out as he went along. Uh, and uh, we've passed that along to everybody. We have a lot of employees up here that have made the switch from a different career into brewing right. or the brewing industry. Um, and so having that passion and that drive, um, it, it definitely speaks volumes. Uh, you know, I know you guys are at the uh, kickoff to New York City Beer Week this coming weekend. The event uh, I've been at, I've been at for the last, oh my God, it's got to be six, seven years, even though that little gap during COVID. I remember seeing you guys at the one in 2022 when they had it at the Brooklyn Navy Yard and they limited the amount of tickets and it was like five degrees out. I remember my wife lasted about about 15 minutes. She's like, give me the keys. I'm going in the car. You can drink or whatever. And yeah. I drank for another two hours while she waited in the car with the heat on. Um, have you ever been to one of the events uh, at, at, at uh, New York City uh, Beer Week or... Um, has it just been the owners that have been there? Um, I haven't personally been to New York City Beer Week. Um, I've been down to the city for um, Green City, the festival that other half puts on. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, we. I I don't typically get a lot involved in a lot of the festival stuff. I'm kind of home base here in the brewery. Right. Um, one of our other partners, Alan, um, he handles all of our branding and marketing stuff. And so he's typically the guy that's out there, boots on the ground, interacting with everybody and, and getting the word out. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, when I go there on Saturday, obviously, folks, we're taping this interview on a Monday. It's airing Sunday night. But when I'm there on Saturday, I'll have to reach out to Alan and say hello. We're talking with head brewer Anthony Danner from Fidens Brewing in Albany, New York. Fidens, F-I-D-E-N-S, brewing.com, the website for all the info. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, the answer. Anthony, what's in the tanks getting ready to be canned up in the next few weeks? Oh, we've got a bunch of stuff. Um it's it's cool because for so long we were only doing the to go model uh, when we didn't have a tap room when when we had to shut down for COVID our tap room was so small that when they lifted the restrictions it just wasn't feasible for us to be able to open that back up so um, just this past summer we were able to get a, a really nice size tap room opened in downtown Albany it's it's just about fifteen minutes away from the brewery. Um, and that has really allowed us to kind of expand 
the styles of beers that we're making. Um, obviously, our, our hazies are still our number one, the double IPA. Right. Um, but we've got a great lineup of uh, fruited sours now, uh, rice lager. We, we do a, a little house lager. Uh, we've got a, a beautiful oatmeal stout that we kind of keep on rotation. Um, the big imperial stouts we still release once in a while, but we've kind of shifted more towards barrel aging a lot of that stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit fewer and far between. Right. Um, yeah, we've got uh, got a, a nice collab beer uh, with a local brewery here, Wayward Lane. Okay. Uh, they actually won Brewery of the Year last year at the New York State Brewers Conference. Um, really good friends of ours. Um, so we just brewed up a little smoked dark lager with them a couple weeks ago. So nice. Nice. Um, that's going to sit in the tanks for a, a little while longer. Right. It needs a little longer to, ma- to mature there. But, yeah, it's it's been really fun to be able to explore some more styles um, and not be kind of pigeonholed into just the hazies. I love it. I love it. So when my, my, my boy Buddy comes back down again to visit, his, to visit his mom, I have to get him to pick me up a few more cans. Now, speaking of which, last question from me here, Anthony. I noticed that you sell cans not by four packs, but by individual cans. Why this way? Is it so that you can mix and match stuff? Yeah, we just feel like it gives the consumer a little bit more flexibility. Um, obviously, we are very aware that the prices of our beer is a little bit higher than um other places that you can get beer so Mm uh we want to kind of keep that flexible um we we have to have the the cost of what they are because of the the quality of ingredients and the amount of hops that we're using in in all of our beers um so yeah having selling everything by the single can allows a little bit more flexibility there someone wants to come in just try one they can just get one um, we're not forcing anybody to take four four packs home or anything like that, right? Especially if they don't like a particular something in it, or they're trying it on the fly. If you have one can, it's easier to say, "Oh, I like this. I'll go back and buy yeah. another can or two. So that makes sense. My guest has been. Yeah, had- when we start. Yeah, oh, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, finish. When, when we when we started and we were just doing the to go model, nobody had a chance to try any of our beers right. before they purchased. So that's a huge leap of faith that that our customers are taking on us and 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 we feel the responsibility of that to not put anything out that is not up to our standards and we understand like not everything is going to be everybody's taste but mm-hmm. if it doesn't meet our standards we we make sure that it doesn't hit the customer shelves or, or we do the best that we can on that. Well, like I said, you guys are doing a fantastic job. I've enjoyed everything that I've had from you guys. I love the fact that my friend can bring some of it down to me when uh, when he gets a chance, which is awesome. Because yeah. I'd love you guys in New Jersey. That'd be great. But, hey, listen, that's okay. I'll take it where I can get it. My guest, he's been head <laughs> brewer Anthony Dana from Fiden's Brewing in Albany, New York. Fiden'sBrewing.com, the website for all the info and how you can order beers there as well. Anthony, thanks so much for giving me a few minutes tonight. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Al. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you 
By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Wonderwall, Oasis, 1995 from What's the Story of Morning Glory as we return here in the final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, the answer every time I hear Oasis and albums from that era, it brings me right back uh, to MJI Broadcasting. And I'm not going to get too far into it, but, you know, I worked uh, there very early in the morning at this syndicator, and uh, there were times to go out on Thursday nights, because Thursday nights was the big night to go out in the city, um, to avoid the crowds on Fridays. And um, I'd hang out with, uh, you know, my colleagues from uh, MJI, and Oasis or the Verve would come on in the bar, um, and you know you just you got into the groove. That's exactly where that brings me back to. Isn't that's what's great about music? It can become a time warp to good memories and bad, but it can become a time warp to take you right back to a moment that you experienced. That's the thing that I love about music. One of the great things that I love about music. Um, let us dive into suds and duds. We've got a couple things to get to. And uh, a small little bit of news from one of the breweries that I'll review in just a moment. Pennsylvania Tuxedo by Dogfish Head. Uh, They sent me this a while back. Uh, Finally got a chance to dive into it. This is their yearly offering. Uh, Solid pale ale, good amount of spruce tip flavor, not over the top, a little bit of sweetness on it too, a slight bit of sweetness. Very tasty. This is a good beer. I like this. If you're into that whole spruce tip thing, and there are a number of places, Twin Elephant does one similar. Um I'm not sure others that do it, but Twin Elephant comes to mind uh, when it comes to that beer. Excellent stuff. Really good. Enjoyed it. Um, Our mutual friend brewing sent me uh, some cans a while back. Sad-eyed lady happened to be one of them. Um, I I was not getting much hop off of this. Uh, It had more of a medicinal uh, flavor in it, in the taste. I wasn't digging this one at all. I don't know what was going on there. Um, I know I wasn't eating anything when I was drinking this. It just had an off... Just a medicinal taste. That's what I got from it. So it was not one of my favorites uh, of the bunch. Um, my good friend Kim, uh, who is one half with Colleen of uh, Cracked One at the Summit, which you should follow their account on Instagram. Uh, like I said, they do a fantastic account. I've talked about them before. The ladies are wonderful, but Kim uh, sometimes makes trips down south uh, to visit family. And when she does, one of her favorite breweries is Two Tides. And she will bring back some Two Tides beers, and sometimes she'll give me a, a can or two. So, Kim, I appreciate that. Thank you. Chromatos is the one from Two Tides here. Loved the blackberry. And this is, uh, first off, I love blackberries. So this is perfect for me. Slightly sour, getting the lactose thickness, but not milkshakey. Delicious. Approachable. Very approachable type of um, sour. If you're looking to get somebody not too puckery, uh, has that sourness, but it's not over the top. It doesn't blow your palate out. Uh, fantastic beer. The lactose sort of smooths it out a little bit, um, but again, not over the top. Excellent beer. Loved it. Thank you, Kim. Very much appreciated. Uh, when I was at Kane a few weeks ago, I decided to bring home a four-pack ahead. I couldn't decide what to bring home. I brought some bottles home from Kane, but those are more for sharing, even though they're 375 milliliter bottles, and I could probably drink one on my own for, you know, in one night. Um but I brought back a four-pack of uh, Cane's Head High, which is their, to me, a classic New Jersey IPA, the industry standard. 
Uh, most bars that will carry a craft beer uh, locally, it's either Carton's Boat or Kane's Head High. I mean, there, there's no other way about it. If you can't, if you're down towards the shoreway, it's usually Kane. Sometimes up north, yes, uh, but you see a lot of Carton Boat in places, you know, above Atlantic Highlands, heading to the north, and and in places down south too. But I I, I see Kane more frequently, head high, in places than I would see Carton Boat. Let's put it that way. Um, this is the industry standard when it comes to New Jersey IPAs. Dialed in, perfect, always a delicious beer. Um, the other beer that Kim brought me from Two Tides, I wish she had brought me another can of this. Oh, my God. Coffee and cream. Wonderfully done. Love that it's only 5%. Great coffee flavor. Pours like it would. Uh, it pours like a regular coffee from Carton, speaking of Carton, but is so subtle in its um, in its taste. It's just delicious, and it's not, you know, it's not banging you over the head at 12 and 13%. Not that I don't like Carton's uh, regular coffee series. Love it. I think it's awesome. Um, haven't gotten it enough. In fact, I might still have some cans of regular coffee from about six or seven years ago, and I'm going to crack one of them open and just see how it tastes, you know, um, you know, from being sitting in the fridge for so long. But anyway, this is a great beer. At 5%, oh, this is one you could pour, you could sit, you relax, you have a couple sips, it warms up a little bit, you have a couple sips, it warms up a little bit. You don't want it to get stouty. You don't want it to get like a big bang and stout, but this is perfect. Coffee and cream, two tights. Thank you, Kim. Really do appreciate it. Um, Nick's Hometown Tavern. This happens to be near the Atlantic Highlands. I don't know what we were down there for. We were looking for something. Uh, oh, no, no, I, I know. I was stopping at Ross to pick up beers that John uh, Kokosa had for me. And on the way back, we said, let's grab something to eat real quick. So we stopped into Nick's Hometown Tavern. Um, apparently, they have these really good burgers. They were excellent. It's a great little spot. And they got some pretty good craft beer, too. So I had a, uh, an Icarus Brewing together as one. Um, the The beer was excellent. They got a nice little selection of uh, tap beer, uh, some uh, local craft. And then you've got, um, you know, some packaged goods that you could take home. But the burgers were excellent. Nick's Hometown Tavern, right on uh, 36, uh, on the way down uh, to Atlantic Highlands. Fantastic stuff. I was very impressed. Uh, Lost Lager by Brewdog. Um, This was a very carbonated beer, I remember. If I remember correctly. Very carbonated. uh, Not bad. Drinkable. Nothing very special. It was a Planet First Lager. Um, Very light-bodied, dry uh, but I was not, um, I wasn't super crazy about it. Like I said, t- t- too much carbonation for me. Um, when I cracked the can, may- and maybe because I shook it a little, I might have. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, yeah, it was a little too, a uh, little too carbonated for my taste. Um, my good friend Chris Fernari from Athletic Brewing sent me some of Athletic's new offerings. I got a chance to have one of them. Uh, em- Emerald Cliff, uh, Emerald Cliff's Irish Dry. Stout, better than I expected, has all the components of a dry Irish stout, uh, but a little thin and a slight aftertaste. I don't know what it is about athletic beers. And I've had them when I've had nothing. You know, I've had just water and I've had them. And then I've had them where I've had a couple. Um, I'm just, I'm a little, I don't get what the little aftertaste is. I'm guessing it's chemicals. Uh, you know, from I, but I don't know. I can't figure it out. Good beer again. Like I said, if I was looking to do a a, a one off 
uh, or a couple, you know, where I didn't want to have alcohol, yes. Would I throw these in the cooler in the summertime uh, while I'm tailgating? Maybe not the Irish dry stat, maybe something else. But would I throw them in the cooler, you know, just if I want something that doesn't have alcohol in it, uh, to sort of, instead of having a water, have this, you know, in between beers? Yes, I would do that. I don't know if I would completely change my lifestyle to non-alcoholic beer. Because, again, I, my, my thinking is you're still consuming calories. You're still consuming carbohydrates. So I, I don't know. It was okay. Um, to the Moon by Ross Brewing. New batch, solid double dry hop IPA. Excellent beer. And we'll get to the uh, Ross news in just a second. And then finally, Jet Black Heart by Brewdog. A nitro smooth, not getting a ton of oat. Uh, something off on this on this oatmeal stout. Uh, was not crazy impressed by it. Again, Brewdog's beer is very one note to me. Um, nothing that makes me say I got to go out uh, and get this beer. That's just my own personal opinion. All right, so Ross has got a bunch of beers out. We'll get to them real quick. This weekend, the Midnight Orchard uh, Porter uh, is out. Uh, they did that, a collab with Flagship Brewing, a Porter with Cranberries and Black Cherries. That's out now. Uh, March 1st, they're coming out with Fanboying, an 8.4% double dry hop New England IPA with Phantasm along with Galaxy and Vic Secret Hops. March 8th, it's Fast Shadow. That's a, do- a Dark Mild Session Ale. Uh, that is a collab with Twin Elephant. That sounds good. Got to get myself some of that. Uh, on the 15th of March, Sully's Irish Stout. That's a 5.1% dry Irish Stout. Exactly what you would expect it to be. Uh, and then on the 22nd of March, give me more of that stout. A big bang and 13.8% pastry stout. Chocolate, marshmallows, graham crackers. Their biggest can release they've ever done. It's a collaboration with Twin Lights Brewing. Rossbrewing.com for all the information and brew, uh, beer broadcast to order those beers. My thanks to everybody involved in the show, including my guest head brewer, Anthony Dana from Fiden's Brewing. And of course, last but not least, and thanks for the hookup, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 